super stoked. Super stoked to have you Same on. Same here. We've been talking. We've been talking back and forth for a while, bro. I look back at some of our conversations. They're like it's like a year and a half. Yep, yep. It, like two years. Yeah. And I've never, I've never met you in in person in the flesh. Right, dude. I mean, watching you, you know, and kind of talking with you and seeing some of the stuff that you put out, I think is helped me. You know, it's definitely helped me. Really you know, right. and I think, I think it's like that's why I wanted to do, you know, something like this is because you you're able to see the effect that you have on people that maybe you don't even know mm-hmm. or, that, or that you haven't even seen or met, you know, and I think I see some of the stuff that you've been doing. So, I mean, I kind of want to get, you know, right into that, you know, for you, let's kind of, you know, before we do anything, let's kind of start from the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, for you, like uh, those are people who, who don't know, you know, you have, you know, your the barbershop in Meriden, a new style hair studio. And you have been doing some really interesting things there. So we'll get into that, but Mm -hmm. you also um, are an artist as well. And I think that, you know, people have seen that side of you, but let's kind of like pull it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Where did it all start from and where did you come from and how is this journey, you know, been for you? So I, um, I was born in Puerto Rico. Um, And, um, you know, my mom was in a, you know, not so great relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. So eventually, you know, uh, my sister was born. She wanted to give us a better life, get away from my dad at the time. He was abusing drugs. Um, and we come out to Meriden, Connecticut. Yeah. And my aunt was here. Nice. In Connecticut. And, um, you know, single parent, growing up, low income housing, going to school, not knowing English. Um, you didn't know English. I didn't know English. My mom didn't know English. Really? We were straight Spanish off the boat type of, you know, we lived in the, in the mountains in Puerto Rico, like, oh, way up. Yeah. yeah, We lived in the mountains in Puerto Rico and we didn't have, you know, it's very different to what it is out here. Even in Puerto Rico, when you, when you lived in the city, they, you know, you lived in the mountains still, you're still like away from normal civilization so we lived in the mountains yeah yeah like my mom recalls having dirt floors yeah growing up type of thing and in how you know kind of coming here was a huge culture shock for you to be in Meriden for my mom for yeah for us um I was little so you know when you're kids you kind of like just go yeah with the flow but it was huge for my mom yeah you know she started you know we started from the bottom and she eventually got a job um and you know Started, you know, uh, dealing with the American dream and trying to progress out here. Now, now coming here, coming here from from Puerto Rico, and then and then coming here, and then have it being such a shock. Did you fall in love with our culture? Like, like as you were growing up, I mean, you kind of grew up here, but I mean, was there a part of you like that was here, and you're like, oh man, this is American dream. I want to be a part of that. Did it start early or is it um, that something more that recent came, that came after I was just a kid. I was into cartoons Ninja Turtles just came out. I remember those yeah. were like the first cartoons I fell in love with. Um, learning English from them, learning English from them. Thundercats. Yes. Um, Good shit. Yeah. I've seen Zelda. some of the, some of the paintings you made on all of those. I think I've seen paintings of all of them. Almost superhero, all, superhero yeah. stuff. You've been killing it with that. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, I, I my mom actually had a boyfriend. I got into art because my mom had a boyfriend. He would, you know, he'd bring art that he did. And I was, like, interested. I was fascinated by his uh, skills. And I started doing my own little drawings. And yeah. And going to school, 
paint, you know, I, I, I wasn't talking too much English, so I would paint. I do a lot of art. Yeah. And that's how I would express myself. And I was in bilingual classes and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's what really sparked the art in my life and got me inspired to, to do art. And eventually I fell in love with it and just kept progressing with my, with my abilities. As I could see it. My mom saw, you know, she saw my my talent early on and she would always buy me paint markers papers you know anything to keep me away from trouble and in the house and busy, and busy. <laughs> yeah yeah mom was really afraid out here because you know she it was all new to us it's easy to get in trouble around here too mm-hmm. just keep it here yeah there you go just in case yeah it's easy to get in trouble and i mean i've have kind of a similar uh, a similar past as far as not really you know as far as moving from a different place but as far as being you know low, very low income, you know, my dad, you know, was making, I believe I looked at a pay stub. My dad passed away a long time ago, but mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, he, I looked at a pay stub, I remember I had in a filing cabinet and I was like, man, that guy had no business having four kids and being able to, right. you know, do that. And, you know, there was times where we did the same thing. We go to church and we would, I remember going shopping in the basement of the church, like with like, you know, macaroni same. and sauce. And I remember being like, man, it's weird that this church is, I'm like, I, I, this is how absent you are to it as right. a kid you're just like man it's weird that they got a store down here like i remember being like man it's yeah. so odd that they have a store here it was you know? similar because you know what i remember we were you know we were broke too um and my mom was a single parent and it was three of us i remember going to my aunt's house and my mom pretty much like shopping in my aunt's house yeah like, yeah see what that she had to give, give, us. give that to me yeah yeah, yeah. I remember doing that, and it's crazy because uh, my mom worked really hard to get us out of that situation, and eventually, you know, she got a great job and got her license, and she built herself up. And watching her through all the struggles that she went through, and you know, against all odds, not knowing English, not having no relationships whatsoever out here, you know, yeah. to someone help her find a job or help her. My mom really worked hard to put herself in a situation to give us a good life. Yeah. We had a good, later on, we eventually had a good life. My yeah. My mom worked hard for that. You know, we had a car, you know, we would go to Six Flags in the summertime. Yeah. You know, um, so she did a really good job. That's awesome, man. Working so, hard. So, so for her, would you say that she was maybe one of your first mentors? Definitely one of my first everything. She was my first love, my first mentor, my first fan. That's huge, man. She kept me motivated. She went to all the shows. She went, you know, she was definitely a big, big supporter. And then what, and then after, you know, kind of that, does that kind of set you up for looking into other mentors as well? Like that set you up for what you wanted to see in other mentors? Like um, your like your mom? I, I At the time, I really wasn't aware of mentors. You yeah, know, you're yeah. Kid, you're just like, yeah, you gravitate to the people that you know want the best for you. And yeah. I knew that my mom always wanted the best for me. It's kind of hard, you know, to find mentors that, uh, or understand what mentoring is when you're a young kid. Yeah. Um, when uh, did you start, when did you start to realize and find them though? So what, what age? I, I started realizing about mentors as I got older. Yeah. Like adulthood. Yeah. Same. Um, but when I look back, I'm like, wow, I had this art teacher named Mr. O'Neill that was a mentor. Yeah. In eighth grade. And you never even, you, you don't realize, even, you don't realize those it. things. I was in La La Land all the time. Just, <laughs> Drawn Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I was one of those kids that I was in my own world. Yeah, you. It, it really had to interest me for you to grab my attention. And and how'd you do in school? Were you bad in school? Good in school? I was good okay. in school all the way up to I was. I mean, I was class clown because I was a comedian in middle school. Same. Um, but you know, high school was bad. Yeah. B 
because I mean, my mom had a she was in a relationship with a with a guy. It was kind of like a stepfather figure. They broke up in high school. Yeah. You started down there. I started going. Yeah, I was just mad. Yeah. You know, my mom was having a hard time paying the bills. It's kind of like a divorce. You go through a divorce, you have a hard time keeping up with everything because you're used to two incomes. Now she's down to one income. And I remember having to get a job at mobile when I was 16 years old to help her pay the bills. Yeah. So I was like, and I was angry at that. I was angry that I had to use all the money that I made. <laughs> yeah. That I wanted to buy a microphone with to go record music. Yes. I had to use it to help my mom pay bills. A, a responsibility a young man shouldn't, or you might not want to, to take on just yet. Right. I mean, I, I, I but I get it. I love my mom and I want to help the family. And it just sucked that the situation was so tough on us. Yeah. So that just kind of like, I, so this is the thing. I, I remember having like $400 saved up and I've been saving up for this microphone I want to buy. And then, you know, a bill came, you know, electric bill came yeah. and my mom needed that pretty much amount of money to pay the bill. And I was like here. Yeah. But it's something that I worked so hard to accomplish to, to, to save up. I mean, eventually I got the microphone. Yeah. But um, it was just like little things like that. It made me realize how hard life was. And, you know, life was very and not fair at it, early ages like that. So that helps you prepare for this stuff that you're doing, you know, maybe not. I mean, now, but it really helped you prepare in and in, in become that gritty, resilient, you know, um, you know, young man that you are, you know, that you had the power to become. Maybe you didn't know it then when you were so right, young. Right. You know, I had, I had, my parents got divorced too. My parents got divorced and it was very messy and I was only in middle school and I actually, you know, kind of like essentially ran away from home, couch surfed, was homeless for a little bit, yep. you know, kind of bouncing around. So I ran from that responsibility. My mom was trying to find herself. My dad was trying to find himself, you know, that right. type of thing. And so what happens was, is at least for me, I use that now more than ever. And it's, it's also okay to go like, hey, you used your experiences and now look what it's done for you. It's made you so gritty mm -hmm. and tough and you understand adulthood and it's the same with me. Um, and, I, and I actually was talking with somebody the other day and that doesn't understand that, that didn't go through any of that, that had two parents that stayed together and they, they paid for their college and they did this. Where they're stronger, I'm weaker. And where I'm weaker, they're stronger. You know what I mean? Like we have different strengths and weaknesses. Right. I right. used to hate on people like that. I'd be like, look mm -hmm. at you. Perfect family. Yep. <sighs> Shit. Same here. You guys are garbage. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm so tough. Like I used to do that. And then now it's like, well, the areas where they're tough, I'm weak. Mm -hmm. I'm weak. They're tough. You True. know what I mean? And it's like, it's just different. Right. And that's the thing with my, my girlfriend grew up with, you know, both parents, great household, very loving, um, family things, and very, quote-unquote, you know, organized, perfect life. Yeah, the nuclear family that, like... And very true. I mean, same thing. She has very strong things that I can't, can't you know, that I probably, like, hate on. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. And it, but we, we all have our strength in different, you know, we, life is life. And, you know, life is, even when you look at someone having a, quote-unquote, perfect life, they're still going through stuff, too, because... Exactly. At the end of the day, the war is in your mind, regardless of how yeah. perfect your life could be. You know, like, look at Tommy Hilfiger's son. He's a heroin addict. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he still is. I don't want to say he still is. Yeah, yeah, but. When you, you, you know, you, you're, the war is in your mind. It yeah. doesn't matter the perfect life or the rough life. Exactly. It's, 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 we all, you know, you have the brain and it's the same thing. It's, Everybody has their own struggles. So the thing is, is like, we used to hate 
on people like that. And I mean, I guess we still do. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I still do sometimes. Then I got to check myself. I always, yeah, I'm always I, checking myself. Yeah. Right? Cause you know what? All these, na- all these feelings are natural. Like jealousy is natural. Like when I meet people say, Oh, I'm not a hater. I'm like, or I've, I've never been a hater. I never, I'm like, you're lying because we all have these natural emotions that we have to put in check. Yeah. You know, so it, it's okay to say, Hey, I was jealous of you for this. Yes. But I put myself in check because you know, I don't know what struggles you had or how hard you worked to get to where you're at. Yeah. Like same thing with me and people, some people, you know, this guy's, he's born with all this talented, he's talented, he's gifted. Yeah. I was, people laughed at my art for a long time. People laughed at my dreams of making money off my art for a long time. Yeah. You know, you made a painting for me. You know what I mean? Right. Dude, I was so, all right. Sorry. I was so excited. I was so fucking stoked that you made that painting. I, I'm, I'm not even gonna lie. I got a little tear. I was like, got all teary. My girl's like, are you all right? And I showed her. She's like, oh man, no, you've been wanting that. You've been wanting that painting. You know what I mean? And I'm now in a position to facilitate somebody's craft yeah. for my aesthetic gain, my, my gain. And I'm just like, dude, fell in love with it. I'll put a, I'll put a uh, picture of it up so yeah. you guys can see it. I'll, and I'll probably take I a had, zillion pictures. I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, and I went from, I remember like, so I, so I used to do music, you know, I mean, I, I was always an artist. Eventually I fell in love with hip hop. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I went, you know, I, I, I started doing, you know, writing music and recording and have an album out. And I went to, you know, the radio stations, I had songs on the radio. Um, and eventually it's just, the business was so ugly, Yeah. ugly people. Like the music business is just full of yeah snakes yeah, Bad for sure. People, people taking advantage of you. And we your see money. that now. We see that now more than ever. Right. You know. So you got a taste of that. I got a taste of the business world and the ugliest really? side of it because I think music is be- it, it can be good, but it's it, the music business when you're dealing with a lot of wolves and a lot of bad people, sharks in the water. And I mean, a lot of businesses you deal with a lot of that stuff, but I think the music business people were just like mm. trying to feed off of people trying to make it and spend. Hey, I could do this for a thousand and give them the thousand nothing happens exactly so eventually i got really depressed and that's where i started working with my art yeah you know i remember starting to sell my art like i posted a picture up on facebook someone said hey how much for that i said 40 bucks yeah and that's how i started i started selling art at 40 50 bucks and it was oil pastels it wasn't even paintings yet yeah yeah and now it's it's better than more than 40 50 bucks and so obviously you were doing a great thing and and i've seen you know, all of your art. And I really, um, the DMX one that you just did, that was re that was beautiful. The Thank biggie you. one that you did, that was beautiful. Thank you. Um, you know, I just, you know, seeing those and especially the superhero stuff. Cause I'm, I'm super nerd when it comes to some Me of too. the super, some of the superhero stuff, dude, I've like, look, I'm like, dude, that's dope. The Joker, you did a Joker one, I believe. Yeah. And it was crazy. The one with the smoke. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My, my brother owns that one. Oh dude, let me talk to your brother. I want to buy it off of him. Cause I want that. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about this afterwards, yeah. you know, but I, I saw that and I was like that. And I showed, I remember I showed my buddy cause my buddy, we were in the car mm-hmm. and I was like, yo, check that out. He's like, yo, that's freaking crazy. So it's like you, you clearly have a talent and I, I, I'm the type of person to notice because I've been around so many talented people and I've leveled up and so many people have supported me and leveled me up mm-hmm. that I don't look at somebody who's doing something and just go anymore. Like, oh, look at what they've look at what they've done. It's because of this. Mm-hmm. I try. I, I what interested me in you is that to see you progress with your painting, 
and to see like it change, like as it as you went along, it yeah. it yeah to evolve into something that became expression. Like I I I know that it was expression before, but then it became more three dimensional, and then more about you know you having that creative eye, and mm-hmm. it became then it becomes hard work, right? And so the painting is obviously something that you has facilitated your craft. That's love. That's um, like I said, that's that's hard work. That's um, passion, you know, and purpose. And years and years of that's, failing. That's what. Well, that's what I'm saying. How many? I was going to ask you. How many have you thrown? Like just smashed or like been like, oh my god, I fucked that up. I, you know what's crazy? I don't really do that often. I just like probably once or twice where I just like threw something out or I painted over. Yeah. I just I appreciate. I appreciate it for what it is. I yeah. like to look back at my art and be like, wow, that, that, that wasn't as great as I am today, but it's just, it makes me happy. Yeah. It makes me happy because I, it shows me where I come from. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it was a tough, I remember, you know, just believing in myself so much and people like this guy really thinks he's going to make a career out of being a painter. You, oh, you know, man. you're selling these for 50 bucks. Like how many of these you got to make to, to make ends meet. Yeah. And I told him one day I'm gonna sell them one for ten thousand dollars. Yeah, you know, eventually it's I'm gonna sell pieces for ten, twenty thousand dollars. It's gonna happen. And that's what I'm working towards. You know what I mean? And the, it's gonna happen because I, I I've been selling pieces for eight hundred, a thousand. Uh, you know, people hire me to do a little mural work for fifteen hundred. Well, you clearly have the skill, and you clearly have practiced that craft, and to 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 practice your craft as much as you have been. And to do all the things as much as you have been will lead you to that success or where you envisioned it to be. And I think that I love, I love that feeling. And I know maybe to some people it's toxic and, and, and maybe it's, it's harmful. But to me, proving everybody that said I couldn't do something wrong is one of my favorite things to do. And I've done it for the past five years. Yeah, it's just, yeah, right. You're just like, Oh yeah, it's, watch it's me. It's really tricky because I I actually appreciate all those people I, so much because if it wasn't for those people, I would know what I'm capable of doing, but don't do it. Yeah, you know I've always used to say I could draw portraits. I know I, could, I mean I, I used to always say I could paint portraits. I know I can, and I I've tried. I remember attempting and just messing up and like fuck, like I <laughs> yeah. can't I can't do this, and um. I just kept doing, I don't know, something in me, it, and it was the people not believing in me, I think. It's the fire. The, it's just lit. Yeah, the fire was lit, and right now, like, you know, I remember people making fun of my weight one time. I, I took a pond to make sure I'm, I was fit. Your weight? Yeah, I think that's something. I used to be overweight. To be, I used yeah. to be. Oh, like, I know. I remember. I remember 35% seeing. 35% body fat, I remember being Now you're Jack just, City, bro. You right. came in here, I'm like, oh, bro, you're showing me up. I got a fitness studio. This dude looks like a monster. So, yeah. so it's like... um and every aspect of my life, I'm gonna improve. Like I started doing audiobooks. Yes, because I, you know, people, you know, I can't sit down and I read. I wasn't the smartest kid. Yeah, yeah. And and reading, like I suck at reading. I Same. Got, I, I I could read something and I have to read it a hundred times before I understand what's going on. So audiobooks pretty much helped me evolve. Yeah, and made life easier for me in the learning world because I'll go on a treadmill for 45 minutes and do my audiobook. And then put some music on and do my all my weightlifting. But my goal has always like 
deep down inside, it sounds a little arrogant, but I just want to be super, like superhuman, like just be incredible in every aspect of my life, like father, my art, my music, barbering, business, fitness. You know, I, I'm even trying to do better with controlling my emotions because those are the biggest things that destroyed me in my younger days. Was yeah. Not being able to control emotions and not understanding where they're coming from or how to how to channel them. Yeah. And that's where the drugs came in eventually. Yeah. Because you, you know, I became a very severe drug addict be- between the ages of 16 and 20 because of not being able to control my emotions. Yeah. Girl broke my heart. I'm going to start doing cocaine. Yeah. Ecstasy. Yeah. Just to get away from that feeling. You're getting into that. Yeah. I, 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 I wanted to touch on that too. Like for you, I think so many people fall into that, that trap, you know, that trap of, you know, you letting their emotions dictate everything and and they are they're so emotional they're so overly emotional that it becomes toxic to their life they're they're um that self-defeating um self-sabotaging starts to come in and i did it for so long man i mean i was probably i i started very young like i was a little bit younger than you you know started uh yeah taking drugs selling drugs i was like 14 15 you know um I did a lot of things way early, you know, because the parent, my parents got divorced. It was really messy. And I just kind of did that whole, I'm out, yep. you know, and, 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 and you're I just dealing with emotions and I was, de- and it, I was all about my emotions, yep. you know, and now more than ever, like you, you know, that time, um, I got out of it pretty quick though. I was like 21, 22. So it's still like five, six, yeah, five, yep. six years. You start to learn your lesson from everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like where you're like, wow, this isn't what I want it to be. Well, what happened was, um, I was doing, I did everything. I did ecstasy, cocaine, um, PCP. Yeah. PCP, yeah. yeah. Um, I did a bunch of different things. Um, But I remember being high on drugs one time, and my mom went to this house that we all did drugs, and she called me outside, and she, you know, I got a 16-year-old daughter now, but back then she was just a baby, and she said, if you don't change your life, this is what you're going to lose. And, you know, this is, you got this beautiful daughter, you need to fucking change your life, or you're going to lose everything. And that picture in that moment was like wow yeah and i was drugged up i was like i didn't i wasn't even looking at her at her eye in her eyes i was just fucking looking away my mom knows that i'm fucking high i'm not trying to show her so that motivational speech my mom gave me changed my life forever yeah so i started the process of you know i was going through a lot of stuff i was domestic violence issues with my kid's mom yeah i was always paranoid because of the drugs i was just angry Angry, my dad wasn't around. Angry, you know, all these reasons. I'll, I'll play the victim. I'll look for all these different reasons just to be angry. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I started the process of trying to not do drugs and working on it. Eventually, I went to jail, which is, I think it's God's work. Yeah. Like, months later, I ended up going to jail. I had a big argument and just went crazy. Yeah. And went to jail. Yeah. Um, And um, there, I uh, started rehabilitating myself yeah like myself like yeah. me doing you know the jail the prison didn't help me at all yeah it was me who helped me as far as being isolated in, in a single cell thinking my mind was like <clears throat> you got to change your life yeah or this is what's going to be when you get out of here you're going to do the same thing if you don't change it so i uh started working i started working out in jail i started uh going to school i got my gd same yeah good I stuff was doing art in there i was cutting hair and I was, I, I left jail when I, I turned 21 in jail <clears throat> and I left and, um, just started my mission. Never look back. 
never looked back. Went through a lot of shit still. Like, I still got years and years of learning. But I, you know, started, you know, promoting my music when I got out. Did all the music stuff and then got really depressed. Yeah. For a while because just the way life was going with the music. And I feel like I wanted to be this big hip-hop celebrity. Yeah. and it just wasn't going that way. So I just, uh, <clears throat> I, I invested a lot of money in the biz- music business that I lost. And it's just probably over a hundred grand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of hard earned money. Like no drug money. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just I, like your blood, sweat, and tears. I was working at Bazudo's distribution. Yes. And I was working 12 to 14 hours a day and getting my checks and dumping all of it into the music. You know, um, it was crazy. That's, t- and, and, and that burnt, and that's when you were like, oh, man, you know, you can't. You're doing that, and there wasn't the return that you were expecting. Not even close. And then, did you from then right after that, where you like started to get really big into painting, and then the barber, the barber shop? Like, where did that, where did that start to happen? So, um, my kid's mother at the time was pregnant with my third third daughter, and I told myself, I'm like, I'm about to be thirty, I'm about to have three kids, I need to get this shit together. Yeah, I need to um, <clears throat> think of a career. So I sat down. I'm like, what do you really like to do that you wouldn't mind doing? You know, I thought about stupid things like being an electrician, a plumber. I'm like, but those things don't fulfill me. Yeah. So eventually I was like, you know, I could just go be a barber. Yeah. And I knew it was going to be hard, but I just needed to do something that I'll be happy regardless of how much money you made. Because you enjoy it. So with, you know, with you kind of getting into the at- the atmosphere of a barbershop. Now I need to tell you, and because maybe you'll think it's sad, maybe you won't, but for me, the barbershop is the only place, the only place that relaxes me, like mm-hmm. the way that I'm not thinking about anything. And I think it stemmed from when I was a kid to when I was like 15, 16, you know, things were just kind of, they were rough for me, you know, but I was able to eventually get myself out of it. But going to the barbershop, it was like joking around. Mm-hmm. I could, I could crack jokes. You could be yourself. I could be myself, mm-hmm. you, you know, and I didn't have to be a tough guy. I didn't have to, you know, try to do anything. Oh God, there's pictures of me. So it looks, I look so stupid because I, you know, I was playing that tough guy persona, you know, for a long time. Right. And I mean, now, you know, I, I'm just a silly goose, you know? And I think people mistake kindness for weakness too. Like I'll still, I'll, I'll still lay you out. But it's, yeah. the thing is, is I still was able to be myself in the barbershop and making everybody laugh. They used to call me the funny guy. You know, they'd be, oh, the funny guy. Oh, come here, sit down, sit down. You know, and it was yeah. great. And I, I mean, I, I go to the barbershop now. It's the same thing. I'm able to fully relax, to be myself, to, and it's it's such a great environment. I mean, barbers are like therapists, man. They're like trainers. I'm, you know, personal they trainer. Are. They're like, yeah. you, guys, you guys deal with everything. And I think that's why I feel so good. I grew up, my, my dad was a barber, and he was, if he didn't, you know, go down the bad road of drugs and everything he did, he would have been a great, great hairstylist because he was more like a hairstylist at first. Yeah. And um, now he cuts hair. But um, I've always been, in, and my mom was a hairstylist in high school. Like, she would do things like that. She was, you know, real-life hitter, so she had to deal with having to get a job and three kids. And But anyways, um, I was always inspired by barbers. My, I knew my dad was a barber. Everyone, I, you know, my dad was um, lived in Philadelphia, eventually moved to Philadelphia. And I'll go visit um, my uncles in Philadelphia. And they'll, everyone always say how great of a guy and barber my dad was. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I just always, you know, been Wanted. around the barbering thing. And then in middle school, I uh, couldn't afford a barber. So I eventually started cutting my own hair. Yeah. And that's pretty much how the whole barbering thing happened. 
Well, I'm glad that, you know, you were cutting your own hair and your hair looks good because you should see when I was cutting my hair with my buddy, it looked fucking terrible. <laughs> Dude, I had this the cut side spiked yeah. like crazy blonde. You know, I did the, it was just terrible. Whip my ass with some peroxide up on the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like your hair looks, cra- I mean, if I cut my hair, it would be shit. Yeah, I, I could cut my own hair now in like 15 minutes. You're just like, well, yeah, I mean, like I said, you're professional now. Just, right. Dude, if I did it now, she would not look the good. The first time I cut my own hair, I was in eighth grade. Yeah. I went to school. I did a good, I thought I did a good job. You I faded my, I faded my hair. People were making fun of me. And um, <laughs> no. they're like, you left a bunch of hair in the back. So I, I so the kid was playing with me. It was it was fine. It was fine. So I go home like, where the hell is this patchy talking oh, about? Messing with so you. I freaking just balled it all out. Oh no, he got. And to. then the next day I go and they laugh even more. <laughs> so it was just like it was funny. Yeah, that's even better when they get you. Yeah. You got to be able to take it. You know, that's the best, dude. I'm always I'm self. I have a self deprecating humor. I constantly am making fun of myself. Yeah, like I mean, it doesn't matter point, what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah, I mean at this point. And you have to. When you become so secure with who you are and what you are, it just doesn't matter. Bro, a lot I, of things don't fucking matter. Oh, dude, I dude, I walk my cats, bro. I walk my cats. You heard me say That's that funny. right on the mic, bro. My buddy was making fun of me the other day. I'm like, yo, kiss my ass. I am secure. <laughs> Look at me, man. You put your dogs on a leash? I, I don't I mean, have a dog. I put cats, my cats, cats on the leash. leash. We're just walking outside, on hanging out, neighbor. Yeah. What's up, bro? What's up? And they're like, what is that? And they go, is that a cat? It's a cat, bro. And That's I funny. mean, I, so for me, it's like, I'm secure, man. Yeah. I I haven't been insecure about myself, um, probably in like like really like really badly because I'm in the fitness industry. We deal with people with body dysmorphia. We deal mm-hmm. with you know guys with Napoleon syndrome. We're really short. We deal right. with guys who are constantly looking in the mirror. Women who are constantly looking in the mirror. And when I started taking care of my health and stopped t- caring about what people think, I mean. I stopped posting, you know, all those shirtless pics of myself, all this mm-hmm. stuff, you know, wanting the attention right. to now posting pictures of performance and business and, you know, because I'm very comfortable, you know, myself. And I think that it's huge for men because right now we have a big problem with a lot of young men being so uncomfortable with being themselves. Yep. You know what I mean? That they are lying to themselves. They're lying to, to women. They're lying to other men. And I think that's a problem. But I think that's the issue with being a teenager, period. Yeah, for sure. Being a teenager is the hardest thing, I think, in life. Because you're figuring things out. You're figuring everything I've learned, like the secrets of life. I know you know about this. Like the laws of the universe and, you know, all this. I know a lot. Yeah, yeah. And the things that I know now, I didn't know back then. And a lot of these kids don't know. And if. If you sit down to try to teach them something, they're so ignorant they don't fucking goes in one ear out the other, and it's like, so it's just tough being a teenager. And at this point, I think obviously teenagers need to want something. Yes, you need to want something. Purpose. You need to find your purpose or a purpose, or because if you're just floating around doing whatever you want to do, like aimlessness, like a Neanderthal. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. like just like. You're not gonna go nowhere. You 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 have to have some sort of direction, right? You know. So you're saying you're you're saying like aimlessness. I I agree with you. That's what I've seen more now than ever. Is there's so much aimlessness? I mean, you like I said. I mean, if, if we're talking in context of business, like real quick, mm-hmm. like barbers trainers are almost the same. I had I've I've seen so many trainers come in and out and then bounce around in other facilities. I go, yo, try to improve in one spot. Mm-hmm. Stay in one spot. So people get to know you. So people get to see you. Where there's an absence of, um, um, where there's an absence of like 
things that need to be done can become your responsibility and then you build up your reputation. Right. But what happens is they, they're, they're so quick, especially when you're young, you bounce around. You bounce, I don't know who I, and it's like, you're on a treadmill. Yeah, you're on a treadmill. You know, you bring it up, bring it down. And after a while you're like, bro, if you would have just stayed in one spot and you would have focused on your craft one thing at a time, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that you'd be able to go further. And I've seen that with my own staff and myself with, I've been here for six years now and we've been doing, I mean, the return is amazing, Mm -hmm. you know, that you have a community and you're building that for yourself too. And I've seen it. Like so much in the past. How long have you been there? Where? In, uh, uh, your your, the your current, shop? yeah, the barbershop. We are going to be there a year in August. So you're there in a year and you're doing some pretty prof- profound things. I haven't even heard of anything like it. So mm-hmm. that's why, and and I have a couple of friends that are like, you got to talk to him. You got to have him on, you know? And wow. I was like, yeah. And I, I was like, yo, I'm already on it. Like I already, I already wanted you on. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and so talk to me about, like you being in that one spot, you focusing on being the best business owner, father, painter. That's a lot of things. But the, it seems like that barbershop is really taking off and some of the stuff you're doing there with the sensory. The kids on the spectrum. Yeah, the kids needs. on the spectrum is amazing, bro. Yeah, so when the pandemic happened, before that I was working at a barbershop and um, I was the one taking all the kids. Yeah. And I started realizing some of the kids were on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started seeing single parents coming in and having to deal with that by themselves. And I always wanted to be the one to help them because my mom was a single mom. And for time being, I, w- I felt like I was, you know, special needs too because I didn't know English. And, you know, you need special treatment. Mm-hmm. And I remember some people, you know, being open about helping my mom at the time with different things. And I, I don't know, I was inspired. I, everything I do now is inspiring from my childhood. You yeah. Know, parents, kids, parents and kids mean a lot to me. Yeah. So when I was cutting all the kids and the parents, are, you know, they're so happy and, and thanking me. They're like, thank you so much. Every time we go to the barbershops, they, you know, uh, pretty much ignore us or, you know, no one tries to help me or they, they say they don't cut kids. And I was always the one that cared and cut the kids and all that stuff. So um, I built a big clientele base of kids on the spectrum um, and kids. Yeah. So when the whole pandemic thing happened, I uh, pretty much decided to leave the barbershop and focus on myself. Yeah. And I was doing a lot of painting and I actually have one of my friends big time. He's an investor. He comes up to me. He's like, hey, are you ready to do something big with me? I said, um, I think I might be ready you know, to do something. And um, I told him, you know, the whole barbershop thing. And then, I, but I wanted to do something different. Yeah. So I, I, every time I want to do something fresh and different, I spend a lot of time by myself. It could be weeks. It could, I'm just by myself in my mind thinking and Solitude. searching. Yeah. Eventually it hit me. He's like, you know what? There has to be some type of training for autism. Yeah. Just so I could make parents feel comfortable that I got extra knowledge. And I found it. And um, actually, my girlfriend found it. She's like, hey, there's this place that, you know, certifies people with uh, certificates and if they, with learning about autism and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, cool. So I took the, um, I did the training. I took the test. I passed it. But it wasn't geared towards barbering. It was yeah, just geared was ask that. to understanding, you know, autism and different things. Yeah. So um, I was like, you know what? I'm, I want to make my barbershop, you know, autism friendly. Okay. And, um. We did that. 
And then I realized that there wasn't no program that's teaching barbers. And it's this is a big need in the field. It's huge deal. When I was going to school for barbering, we, no one brought... I mean, they probably brought, you know, um, physical needs, stuff up, and maybe a little bit of special needs, but they never really touched on a topic to teach you about sensory issues, uh, how to accommodate them, how to... Um, anything, really. Anything. Yeah. Anything like that. So my uh, girlfriend is a, a clinical social worker, and together we made this program with all my my experience in the barbering world. And Dude, that's huge. We put this program together. And now we're about to launch it with Ace Cosmetology. Because he, the owner of Ace Cosmetology, Gary, I told him about the program I did. He So he's investing. And we're going to blow it up. Make a, We're going to make a website where any hairdresser or cosmetology could log on um, and, t- you know, pay a fee and take the test. I mean, take the training and then take a test and get certified. Um, and we're going to launch it out to all you know, schools all around America and the world and just make a big movement on it's huge, man. raising awareness for kids. That's so huge. Special needs kids. I, because it's, I don't want it to just say, you know, kids on a spectrum, autism spectrum or everything. I want every special need, every kid that needs special needs to feel accepted and, and be happy and have a great experience when they come get a haircut. Yeah. I don't so, want them growing up like every time I went to get a haircut when I was younger, I hate barbers because yeah, yeah. no one wanted to cut her hair. Yeah, they turn you turn into a dentist. You know, everybody's like, I don't want right. to go to the dentist. Every time I go, it hurts and, in, and, in this, yeah. And I'm trying, you know, I, I want the bar- I want barbers and hairdressers to get respected like beauty doctors. Like, yeah. I feel like the barbering world lost a lot of respect. We used to be the ones pulling teeth. We used to be the ones... Um, really doing everything. Yeah. You know, a lot of different things. And yeah. after time and, t- you know, time passed and the, I feel like the barber kind of lost the respect. People lost respect for the barber. It used to be the community. It was like a community barber thing. Like you'd go in and be like, yeah, that's Sal's or right. hey, there's Joe, you know, Joe's or whatever. And I agree with you on that. And I've seen that kind of go down. Do you think it was because, you know, we keep lowering, lowering education, I think. At least that's what I've seen. An experience myself like we keep lowering the bar for things and do you think that that it's that that's what kind of happened in you know with the you know the cos you know the cosmetology the 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 barbering world i think the reason the barbering industry lost respect for a while was because of the barbers okay okay was because of you going into barbershops and you might you know barbershops started you know you smell weed yeah yeah you you know uh, selling fake jordans and stuff that's where i used to do the same thing uh you know, it's like um, swearing a lot. Yeah. No family orientation type of feel. No sense of no, awareness. No therapy feel. Awareness, like respect. People, you know, I, I remember going to barbershops and it's like, this guy just had a nipper in his yeah. station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the professionalism was... Goes out the window. Out the window. And it's because of the barbers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I want to be the one to reinforce, I mean probably retrain barbers to be more professional and be more accepting because barbers back then were the therapists. They were the they really are. dentists. They were the ones that you went to. They were like doctors. You know what I mean? So I've, I've definitely gotten that experience. Mara, I was telling you, I mean, that's right. the most relaxed, chill, fun. I mean, granted, I mean, it was, a little, you know, I was a dicey dude back then too. So we were doing dicey shit, but, yeah, yeah. but you know, the thing, I mean, usually I was the one bringing it to the barbershop, but mm-hmm. now, now, much, much different. You know, I like that. I like going into a barber shop and having them, you know, do well. You know, like my my barber, 
it was it was originally going to do you know some stuff with the school and do that and then COVID happened and, and you know that and you know just he said the same thing he, he really wanted to there's not a lot of people that want to rise to his level, right. which is what I loved. Um, you know, having that conversation with somebody and, and you are getting the, the greeting and everything. And, um, I just think that's so huge, you know, to be as professional as possible to Customer take responsibility. Yeah. All the time. What we're working on bringing back. Yeah. To the barber industry, like big time, like absolute greatness with customer service. Yeah. And, um, like my barbershop, New Style Hair Studio. Yes, we accommodate and accept kids on the spectrum, special needs. But we also adjust the feel. Like if it's all grown men at my barbershop, we're talking about grown men stuff. Yeah, yeah. We don't want we want everyone to feel comfortable and we want everyone to come to barbershop and experience a good time and different conversations. And we try not to be political or yeah. religious, but yeah. um sometimes we do get political and religious and we have conversations about you should that. Be. You should because be able conversations to. are they make the world go round, and especially in the barber world, it's what it's about. It's for a husband that's going through something with his wife to come vent. Yeah. Or a kid that's going through something in school, come vent. Or he's being bullied, comes down and he tells you. Right. And or, or, or somebody who's coming, you know, coming in and something's happening in their life, and they tell you. And you could have had, you could have made the difference to make their life not hell by giving them like, hey, man, you know, you right. should tell somebody to do this. And, hey, you can get through this. And if you need and, anything, yes. you know, dude that is what it, I agree with you. That is missing. There's a lot of kids out there like myself when I was growing up with no mentors and no father figures. Yeah. I want my barbershop to, to be. be that shop that a kid comes through and be like, Hey, I'm getting bullied by this person. We'll try to help you out. Or, Hey, I need some advice. I have kids that give, ask me for advice. So should I go do military? Should I go do college? You know, um, Hey, or I got this kid that came the other day. Hey, I'm, I'm doing boxing. I'm 21 years old. I'm excited. Um, yeah. It's great to, to be able to come to the barbershop and express yourself and have somebody else be proud of you. Do you take Do you take the time to think about that, like every day or or? I think about it? all of it. Yeah, I spend a lot of time by myself. Like yeah. seriously, I really isolation do. is huge. I don't really if people hang out with me is because we're doing something to better something. Yeah, like if you see somebody with me, it's because we're working. Yeah, we're doing something cool and. And we're doing something that's going to better something. It's not going to be like, oh, we're hanging out because we're smoking weed. And yeah, that's, yeah. That's it. Or yeah. We're going to, I don't drink. I don't yeah. really drink. I, I'll have a couple of drinks with my girlfriend here and there. But Yeah, but mostly it's like solitude is. Just peace. And it's, I've been through so much shit in my life. That yeah. I just want peace. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of a lot of men who've gone through a lot of those types of things, peace is what we're after. So there'll be times, and I like that you're saying this because it only reinforces what I'm doing. And I think anytime I'm around somebody who they're they're actually reinforcing what I do now, uh, I have a tendency to do the same thing. Like I'll come home, like, yeah, I'm very social. You'll see my social media. It's very silly. Mm -hmm. I have a good time. But I need an equal amount of peace. I need an equal amount of no talking, mm -hmm. no anything, audiobooks, yep. in the car. You yep. know, I've read... Like at this point, like almost sixty books mm -hmm. in the mat, just because I've been listening to them, because that's I'm an auditory right. learner. I can't you, same right. as you. I'll read something. I'll be like, all right, well, well now I forgot that. It's yeah. funny because with my younger daughters, I have to. They have books they gotta. Like my daughter, she's six years old. She'll come in. She has to read a book. Yeah. Sometimes I read it to her. Yeah. And sometimes I let her read it. Yeah. Because we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta find her, out. And I also want her to feel that it's okay for someone to read to you sometimes. Yeah. 
because I don't want to be like, oh, look at, you know, frowned upon someone reading to you because it's okay. If she, if she learned it, who cares? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I try to instill that in my kids. Like, it's okay. And I explain to her, like, it's like an audio book. If you yeah. ever want to listen to an audiobook when you get older, like it's it's kind of like daddy reading you this book and and um it's just a little, you know, everybody's different a little learnings. different. Yeah, yeah, different learnings. Cuz you don't know like you don't know what you are. Yeah. Unless unless you knew if I knew that in high school, it would have been a very different experience. I mean, probably I would have bought the audiobook. Yeah, yeah, well, I, mean, I, I to be clear, probably not the yeah. totally different experience, yeah. but you, you know, I would it would have been a little bit different, I think, you know, for for myself cause in in probably you, but you know, we I don't think we were in the right mindset at that point. I think I was always going to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. I always had that mentality, entrepreneur. Like, yeah. Even though I didn't know what the hell an entrepreneur was back then, I always want I was independent. I was like I want to do my my goal, even though I want to be a rapper and I want to be whatever the hell I want to be, my end goal was to be free. And independent. Independent, free. I call the shots. I go on vacation when I want. I take a day off when I want. I do whatever the fuck I want because feels good. it feels great. Like, I don't feel like I work. I feel like I'm retired. Same, dude. It's dude, crazy. because so be- I'm so glad that we're talking about yeah, this, dude. Because I feel, dude, I could cut. I love the people I cut. I want to get the fuck out. I leave. Mm-hmm. If I, I go paint. I paint. I don't. People say, how, how do you have to, all this time to do all these things? It's because I'm doing what I love. And I, I, I don't feel like uh, I need to take a break from it. Or, you don't feel tied down. I don't feel tied down. I don't feel like I work every day, seven days a week. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, so this is just this past, like two weeks ago, I just started taking Saturday off. Like, ju- you force yourself. Yeah, you six, like I had to because yeah. I was becoming too dull. Like I was like talking to people and it's like, all I talk about is work. Mm-hmm. All I talk about is this. I need a little bit of yeah. um, recharge my batteries. Most of the time on a Saturday, I'm just, I come here, I'll work out. I got my headphones blaring and then, you know, I'll go and try to like run, run around, do some things for myself. Yep. And I think that that is, is so big at times. So then that way I can become more relatable later because what was happening is I was working so much like six to seven days a week. Yep. And I did, I've been doing that for 16 years. I lied on my first job application so I could get a job. Mm-hmm. I said I was 16 when really I was 15. They promoted me to manager after like two to three, two to three months. And I'm sitting there telling 40 year old dudes what to do. <laughs> and they're like, uh, yeah, this kid can go fuck himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but I mean, it, I'm like, who's worse you or me? I'm telling you what to do. And you're almost three times my age, right. twice my age. But so the thing, the thing was, is like, I knew that I was going, I knew that I was different Definitely, I was different, and a lot of my friends kind of have instilled that in me too. Like, hey, yo, you always were different. So talking to somebody who's a little bit more the same mm-hmm. makes me feel like I'm on the right path. It makes me feel like I'm actually I might be doing. Because right we always question ourselves, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I being an arrogant piece of shit? Yeah. Am I being like, all right? Sometimes I'll like I'll be at family gatherings sometimes, and someone's like, hey, I'm watching this show. Hey, Eddie, what do you watch? Oh, I don't watch TV. Yeah, yeah, And they yeah, look at you yeah. like, all right, Mr. Perfect, <laughs> yeah. this guy's Jesus. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, You're like, not me, not yeah. me. I don't watch that shit. And they're yeah. like, what? Oh, God, this guy. And, and at the end of the day, I, I really don't. I, so my girl would be like, hey, let's watch a, you know, a series. I'm like, I can't watch series because yeah. then that means I have to watch all those motherfuckers. Yeah. That means it's time away from what I want to do, which is paint. All my free time I want to use to paint. That's my everything. That's my passion. That's what I want people to know me for as an artist and entrepreneur, businessman too. But I just want to be a painter, and that's my thing. So 
I try to stay away from that. And if I'm watching, if, if I'm watching TV, I try to make it a documentary that I could learn something from. Yeah. See, I'm so glad you're saying this too, dude. I needed this because I told my, I, I was telling my girl, I was telling everybody, I was like, I watch too much TV. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm breaking, I come home and I break hard and I watch TV and I've been trying to get out of that. I'm going to teach myself is? out of that though. You know what it is? I do the same thing. I'll catch myself. Um, I did a little bit of that when COVID. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, did, I watch. I binge watched uh, Nicky Jam had a documentary yeah. about his life. I yeah. watched that whole fucking thing, but it was inspiring. Yeah, it, it that's inspi- different. Though. It inspired yeah, that's... me. It was about his story. It, I could relate to it. I was like, that ignited you exactly. So, like I said, and if I go, so this is another thing I do. I, if I want to watch a movie, I make sure I go to the theater. To okay, because that's an experience. Because I'm going to have an experience. And when I come home, it's not something I can make a bad habit of going to the movie theaters every day. You know you're going to motivate me not to watch fucking TV, dude. That's you good. know that's good. You know you're going to do that for me. Just, yeah, you're going to do that fucking, for me. <laughs> just fill it up with something positive. Like That's what I want to do. Something something else, something different. Even if it's just, I mean, TV is good because sometimes your body needs to just wind down, relax. Yeah. Before bed, you can watch something. So yeah. I, I don't think, you know... Some people are like for a while I didn't even own a TV. I swear to God, I, I I was in an art studio. I had a I had a loft, and I didn't even own a TV, and I just painted. Yeah, and I didn't watch anything. Well, obviously that. Now I got a family. And yeah, a you, household, and you got to play that family role. Role. Yeah, yeah. And I'll sit down and watch cartoons with my daughters here and there. Yeah, well, that's dope though. That's fun. Yeah, she'll so, remember that for the rest of her life. Right. Yeah, but. I hate to say that watching TV is bad. Just have a balance. Just have a too much. Too much is too much. Of anything is too much. Okay, because th- this is seriously. I'm gonna end up. But texting I try you. not to do series. I'm gonna end up texting you in like two <laughs> weeks and be like, "Bro, I don't watch any TV now because yeah. like, I, I want to start to write. I want to start to write a little bit more. So articulate myself. That's another bit. thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm 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 writing a book about my life. Yeah, and I want to gear it towards teenagers that are having a hard time in, yeah. in high school and stuff. That's gonna be that's huge, and I got a, a lot done, but I should have got this book done a long time ago. Just, I mean, I, I but think I got so much shit going on. Yeah, you're doing you're doing so much. It's like just kind of, you know, one thing at a time mm-hmm. and help that. But, dude, I mean, it's been this is this has been great, and and I knew, I knew that there was gonna be some things, some sparks that were gonna fly, mm-hmm. you know, with talking with you because I really am. I was trying to work on that. And, and trying to get people in that are going to make me better. I only want to make them better, give them opportunity and, and vice versa. So I think the things that you're doing are fucking huge, man. I just Thank think you. that the stuff you're doing at the barbershop is huge. Your paintings um, have improved so much and I've been able to see that growth. And I think what you're doing, um, you know, with the community is, you know, phenomenal. And, and dude, I, I'd love to have you again, you know, kind of see where you're at in the next sure. six months to a year. For sure. And dude, we'll, we'll get this going again. Yeah, for sure. Dude, it's been great. It's been good stuff. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate you. Eddie. (laughs) All right, we're out.